book of Galatians, a Bible study. As I was looking through all of the books that Paul wrote, I was looking at the dates each of them were written. And Galatians was evidently the first. It was written approximately 48 to 53 AD. So I'm doing this a little bit out of order from the Bible. Uh, I started with 1 Corinthians, but then I'm going to go into a sequence. So it'll be Galatians and then Thessalonians, and then Corinth would be the next one, but we've already done that. So then we'll go into Romans and the Colossians, Ephesians, and then the Philippines, and then Titus and Timothy, and then Hebrews. So those are the books that we'll go through in the next Bible studies. And I will read what is in Galatians now in the prior chapter that we just studied. Uh, there was a lot of, um, I just kind of went over the highlights on this one. I don't know the many different times that I've read through this. Um, there are so many underlines throughout every single chapter. It's only six chapters, which is about eight pages maybe. Um, but I don't know how long it's going to take. So, And there's lots of side commentary that I think is also important and helps to explain what's in here as well. So I'm going to do a lot of reading basically from my study Bible and um, expand on things that come to mind. So um, to start with, I will read from the introduction and from the study Bible on Galatians. If you care about nutrition, you probably read the labels before buying packaged foods. Why? You're on the lookout for additives and ingredients that may be hazardous to your health. In a similar way, the book of Galatians warns us against mixing legalism and human works into the simple gospel message. It describes artificial spiritual additives and their toxic effects. This book offers a spiritual health check, a clear explanation of what it means to be saved by faith. Paul the Apostle wrote this, and it was written to Christians in Galatia, a Roman province in the center central part of present-day Turkey. And it was probably written between AD 48 and 53, less than 25 years after Jesus's earthly ministry. And why was it written? to denounce and correct false teachings that had infiltrated the churches Paul and Barnabas had earlier established. False teachers insisted that Gentile Christians keep the ritual laws of the Jews. Paul, stinging from their personal attacks against him, also wrote to defend his integrity as an apostle and to reassert his love for the Galatians. What to look for in Galatians. Galatians will take you back to the basics, what the gospel is, how you receive it, and how you can apply it to your daily life. Paul used several techniques, his own conversion story, an illustration from the life of Abraham, and even sarcasm to persuade the Galatians to return to the pure gospel. So as always, dear God, please help us Bring to mind other scriptures that might be relevant um, that come to mind as we're reading this, and let us have wisdom and understanding of the words that you inspired Paul to write. In Jesus' name, amen. Galatians, Paul, an apostle, an apostle sent not from men nor by a man, but 
by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me to the church churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. There's so much in that. Uh, actually, verse 4. Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. That pretty much sums up the entire Bible. The whole reason for the gospel and was because sin corrupted the earth and us, and the wages of sin is death. So Jesus came to literally save us from death. We'll experience a, a physical death, at least some will, not everyone will, but then we will have, we will be brought to life just like Jesus and live in an eternal life um, here on earth, but it'll be a new earth that God designs. And that's the whole message of the Bible. I mean, that's that sums it up in one statement. Paul gives a very concise statement about what happened. So getting back to scripture, I... Uh, verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which really is no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. So I'm going to stop right there because as soon as I read that, I um, I need to address something because I, in my personal searching, um, I did have a lot of questions. And I um, basically, I had questions because of what was happening in the world today. And that's what gave me an interest in scripture. It was in 2020 that I really had an interest in this because I thought this was the first time in my life that something affected the entire world. There has to be something more to this. This isn't just something that you pass over and you just don't think about and it just happened. There's more significance to it. That made me pause and think about that. And that's when I started getting more into the Bible and I started finding out that the Bible actually does talk about that. Um, it talks about pestilences, which are plagues that come to the earth. And when something affects us on a global basis, to me, it was like, I think this might be a wake-up call. And as I did that, I started investigating more. I started thinking, I believe it is a wake-up call. And I also was curious about, well, what do other faiths believe? What do, what do other religions believe? And so I kind of started looking into other ones and I started, you know, of course we know from the Jewish beliefs that half of the early, you know, half of the Bible is really the Jewish faith. I mean, it's pretty much everything that, um, because Jesus was a Jew, I mean, the apostles were Jews, everybody was Jewish. So the beliefs 
are summarized, not summarized, but the beliefs are included in the Old Testament portion of the Bible. So I already know what the Jewish people, the Jewish faith is about. But then there's the the Muslim faith. And um, years ago, I had been at a church and I found out that the Muslims believed that uh, Jesus, they believed Jesus was a prophet, but they did not believe that he was God or the son of God. And so way back when I was in that class and I understood that or found that out, I thought that was kind of interesting because I thought, well, wow, they're, you know, completely different. But then yet they acknowledged that Jesus, you know, existed and that he was sinless. And, you know, there's many other things. So I thought, that's really interesting. I'm curious. So I, I started looking into um, English versions of the Quran, which you can find now online. And so I was curious and I started reading them to find out what is in this. And then I noticed that there are a lot of parallels between end time prophecies in the Bible and end time prophecies in the Quran. And so I was like, wow, that's crazy that these things have parallels and they kind of tell the same story, but yet they don't tell the same story. And so I was intrigued by that. And I continued to explore more. And so as I continued to explore more, um, I was seeking out information on both sides to kind of understand it. And then what I found out is that how the Quran came about. Then I was thinking, like, how did all these things come about? So the Quran came about um, in around 637 AD. So that's what I was trying, like, who had the story first? Where did it come from? You know, I just wanted to know. And then we see this, that this Galatians was written in 48 to 53 AD. So the Muhammad came around in 637 AD. So that's, you know, more than 600 years after Paul was talking to the Galatians. And then this is something else that was really interesting to me is that the everything that was revealed to the prophet Muhammad in the Quran was from an angel. And I found that very interesting especially in light of what Paul says here. Paul says in chapter 1, verse 8, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. And so it was almost like he was saying, you know, like an angel could do this, could preach something different. And but it's not the gospel that Paul was teaching about Jesus. And because Jesus himself said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. The only way we can be in eternity is through Jesus. So if somebody is saying that Jesus is not God, Jesus, you know, did not save mankind, die on the cross, raise from the dead, despite all the witnesses that he had, like four or 500 at one time, and appeared to thousands of people after he was raised from the dead, those are all like historical facts and written by witnesses. That's what this whole Bible's about, is all of these people who 
in the New Testament part of it uh, that had these experiences that were eyewitnesses, firsthand witnesses to what happened during Jesus's earthly ministry, if you want to call it that, when Jesus was here on earth. So it, it's something to keep in mind when you're comparing other religions. And there's a little paragraph that's in the study guide that talks about the value in other religions. And I will read that too. In fact, maybe I should just read it right now. Is there value in other religions like Islam, Buddhism, and Hinduism? The simplest answer to this question is yes, there is value, especially ethical value in other religions. But the more difficult and significant question is, is there eternal value in other religions? To answer that question is no. Islam, Buddhism, and Hinduism all provide very different answers to questions concerning the nature of God, sin, who Jesus Christ is, what the purpose of life is, the afterlife, and the eternal significance of being a good person. Simple honesty requires that we acknowledge the diversity of religions and the diversity of their answers to such basic questions. The writer of Hebrews tells us that God rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's Hebrews 11 verse 6. God wants to be found and traces of him can be found throughout the world's religions, but much about God's revelation of himself through nature and through the world's religions has also been distorted through sin, ignorance, falsehood, and superstition. That's from Romans 1, 18 through 32. This is why we all need a more definitive form of revelation in the Christian faith the most rudimentary issues concern who Jesus Christ is and whether he actually has the authority to speak on God's behalf. The gospel records Jesus' teachings and the rest of the New Testament corroborates, clarifies, and applies his teachings. While world religions help to express the human soul's longing to know its creator, all religions must wrestle with the question of truth about Jesus Christ. Who was this carpenter from Nazareth? Was he a charismatic leader, a prophet, a martyr, or the way, the truth, and the life from John chapter 14, verse 6? The Bible teaches that believing in Jesus and following his way is the only path to finding a personal relationship with God and receiving eternal life. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me in John 14, 6. And the apostle Peter said when speaking about Jesus, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That's from Acts chapter 4, verse 12. It is logically impossible for the various religions of the world to all be correct. Everyone can't be right. The common practice of picking and choosing from each of the religion, each of the religions creates a self-made, spiritually governed by a God made with our own hands and in our own image. All roads do not lead to God. But all roads can be a way to get started on the quest to find him. 
People of different religions are neighbors we are called to love. The Spirit can use anything to bring others to Jesus. So then getting back to um, Paul's letter to the Galatians, he says, As we have already said, and so now I say it again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God, or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now, Paul himself, he was he was a testimony all of himself. Um, be, well, actually, he's going to talk about that now. So I'm going to go back to his letter. I want, Paul said, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went to into Arabia. Later, I turned to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, and Cephas is Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that I that what I am writing you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Sicilia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they praised God because of me. So Paul had this supernatural experience with God when he was riding back from Damascus. He was on his way. He was on the road to Damascus, and he was persecuting Christians, and he was he fell off of his horse and became blind, but... It was like after he had seen this vision of Jesus who spoke to him and said, "Um, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And this changed Paul's direction in his life. Um, He became blind after that and was told um, he needed to go back and see a certain person. And then there were certain things that had to happen. And then his eyesight was restored. After that, he just did nothing but was on fire for God, on fire for Jesus to spread the gospel. So that was Paul's story. And now he's sharing that with other people, these people in Galatia. So chapter two, then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation 
and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, which is Peter, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles, and they too, the circumcised. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing that I had been eager to do all along. So from the scripture, it looks like Peter went to the Jewish people, and then Paul went to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, and they were in charge of spreading the gospel or telling everybody about Jesus in this. So then Paul, um, so then getting back to scripture, uh, when Cephas, or Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from, for before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of all of them, or Peter in front of all of them, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I, I really would be a lawbreaker. For though the law, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So to me, Paul doesn't always write extremely clear, but I do understand what he's saying and the way I interpret this from what he's saying is that um, the Jewish law, you had to keep all of it. And here's the interesting part is the, no one keeps all the laws, no matter what, what age, way back when, today, whatever, nobody keeps all of all the laws. Should that be our goal to keep the laws? Yes, like the Ten Commandments that God gave us. Yes, we should all keep the Ten Commandments um, because God actually said, um, or Jesus said that um, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will remain. So God's word will always remain. It Everything else will pass away, but his word will remain. That means the law does not ever go away. But the, the problem is that people think that if they do enough good acts, or they do, and people today still think this, because if you ask the average person about, like, are you going to be in heaven? Well, we shouldn't even say in heaven because it's going to be here on earth. But are you going to have eternal life? A lot of people say, well, that's for God to judge. And, you know, I probably do more good than bad. And that's like the most common answer that people give. But that is not the way it works. It doesn't have, we, if we, we couldn't do, we couldn't be perfect. We aren't perfect. And if it requires us to be perfect in order to have eternal life, all of us would fail. And so a person who says that is still, they're still like that veil. They're still blind. They still don't understand, don't comprehend the message of the gospel. Because what the gospel says is that Jesus's death and resurrection and him having the Holy Spirit from God is what raised him from the dead. That will happen to us as well if we repent, if we repent of our sins. So the laws that were given show us that we are sinners. All we have to do is read the laws, find out what the laws of God are, read them, and we'll know okay, we messed that one up. We messed that one up. You know, we did good on this one, but we're going to have stuff that we messed up. And so it's going to show us that we are sinners. So if we're sinners, we can't get into eternal life because God is holy. And if anybody had sin, if you go back to when God gave the 10 commandments to Moses, he told Moses and all the people, he said, do not touch the mountain. This is the holy mountain. And he told them to do certain things to prepare before God was going to be present because he was saying this area is holy and don't let anybody touch it or they will die. And don't let an animal near it. Don't let anybody. There's something about holiness where sin cannot be present in front of holiness or it will die. And that also goes back to the wages of de- of sin is death. So sin and death are connected. They're a straight line. Sin goes straight to death. And there's nothing that's going to stop that from happening except for Jesus. Because God allowed 
a substitutionary sacrifice for mankind. In the Old Testament, people used to use animals as sacrifices to, quote, atone for their sin, to make up for their sin, because their sin, not make up, um, to be the sacrifice required for sin, the death that's required for sin. So they could use an animal to die in their place so that the sin would not count against them. God allowed that. But this just kept going on and on and on. And God did not like these sacrifices. That wasn't the intention. He wanted people to repent and stop sinning, but that wasn't happening. So that's why Jesus came to save all of mankind, all of us who are not perfect and who are corrupted and who are corrupted by sin. And that's the whole reason why Jesus came to earth. And that is how we are saved. And that's what Paul is trying to say to these Galatians is that you can't keep doing all these works and thinking that you're going to get eternal life because of how you're living or what you're doing. The only way that we are in eternal life is by Jesus, by putting our faith in Jesus, our belief in Jesus, our trust in Jesus. By doing that, repentance, repentance and believing. That's the only way that you're going to be in eternal life. And then if you do repent, if you're sincere about it, then God will give you the Holy Spirit to help you become more like Christ. We won't be perfected until Jesus returns, but receiving the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is what raised Jesus. That's what we all need, but we can't, the Holy Spirit can't reside in us if we're still hanging on to sin. We've got to empty ourselves of sin. We've got to give that up. We have to ask God for forgiveness that's what repentance is. And, and think in our heads, we're not going to do it again. We're done with that. We know it's wrong. We don't want to do it anymore. And then ask God. When he knows that we're sincere about saying that, ask God, I need the Holy Spirit because I need help going forward. And I need help all the way till Jesus returns because I need that help forever until Jesus returns and then we'll be perfected. And God will do that if we are sincere in our repentance. So, that's why trying to follow laws to get yourself there or to make sure you're good enough is going to be an unsuccessful path and it does not lead to eternal life to be good and to be religious and to be all these things. No, it doesn't. It, it is when we can identify the sin that's in our life, repent of it, change our minds that we don't, we're not going to do it anymore, but we need God's help and ask God for the Holy Spirit. That is what will get you into eternal life. And it's only because Jesus has proven that he broke that curse for us. He came back and he was witnessed by thousands of people, spent much time with people after he died and rose from the dead. So he proved to it. He was the first one to do this. And that is what is in store for anyone who will believe in Jesus. So getting back to, actually, I'm going to stop here and I'm going to start on chapter three in the next one.